Hello and welcome to An Ink We Trust, Tattoo Art and Culture in San Fernando Valley, the latest from uh, who is making a mark in the Valley Tattoo scene and bringing the tattoo parlor to you. I am your host, Anthony Sanchez. Today we're going to talk to guests from 10,000 Waves in Sherman Oaks. We have tattoo artist Jojo Ackerman and Robert Atkinson. Thanks for coming by the studio, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um, both Jojo and Robert started around 1992 in tattoo, uh, seemingly different paths. In 2014, they opened 10,000 Waves. Uh, Jojo's been at shops like Psycho City and Palmdale. And Robert's been started uh, in Malrose, and he's been in Denmark and Holland. Um, so, guys, what was the tattoo scene like for you in the 90s? Jojo, you can start with this. Um, well, it wasn't that much the of The pre-internet scene. tattooing part of it, I mean, it was, it was probably a little more uh, – it was a little more risque, I guess, a little more dangerous, a little bit more. Uh, you had to kind of earn your stripes, I guess, a little bit harder then. It wasn't such a add to cart kind of thing where today everyone goes online and they everything's add to cart. Back then, we had to have like some kind of like fundamental journeymanship skills where you like had to work on or fix your own equipment by hand and do things because you couldn't just you know go online and buy a new one. Um, so we we understood a little bit more about like. And plus, we had the older generation. If you were lucky enough to, you know, get into a to, to a good spot where you had older guys around, you could you could learn a lot about the history and the culture and where it comes from. Um, so that was a that was a really good thing for me. I came into it through a family owned business, and I worked there for sixteen years. Um, and I learned tattooing not just because you know it was our art or whatever. Um, a lot of people get into it, I think, today because of art. But I learned it as a survival tactic and like a way to like keep myself, you know, uh, afloat. So I learned it as a as a as a family trade. Does it? Am I hearing that? Was it keeping you out of trouble or keeping you in trouble? I mean, you could get in all the trouble you wanted, really. I mean, as long as you could afford it. <laughs> uh, so, do you still know how to make the guns by hand? Is that something? The machines, yeah. Yeah, the machines. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still, I still, I still, I still, I still know how to do all that stuff. I, it's it's not something you really forget because you're you know when you when you first do like your traditional style apprenticeship like the one I did, um, it's it's forced on you. Mm-hmm. It's either it's either it's either do this or don't come back, so I didn't have much of a choice. Was uh, I'm hearing too like flash art was a very important part of the early shops. I still think it is. I mean, I still think it's a, an important part of tattooing. People that don't know how to draw dragons or anything else, it's like they they keep trying to just draw them out of their head and they draw them wrong. But I mean, the reason why the flash exists is so you don't have to draw it. You trace it enough times to figure it out. But, yeah, all the information's there. Yeah, definitely. And in the not in the early '90s, for me, like I had all my friends chip in and buy me a tattoo kit out of like a tattoo magazine. I had been airbrushing T-shirts at Magic Mountain for a few years, and then um, I just started tattooing everybody. And the way that Joe got into it was more how I wish I had gotten into it, but it wasn't that there wasn't a lot of people around that were tattooing at the time, and there wasn't a lot of. Um, you know, you had to you had to be like in with someone to get the information. People were not like making YouTube videos on how to do this and how to do that. It was very secretive, and and it took me at least a couple of years before I learned how to even make a needle, which was like, you know, the first step really in tattooing. So um, it was just a which lot. back then was a really good thing to know because the the needles that you had to buy were super expensive. <laughs> yeah, they were expensive, and and you know back in the early '90s, like we didn't really have money for for things like like we do now that we're older. You know what I mean? It was I was always broke. <laughs> I mean, so now you can get them on Amazon, um, but before what what the expensive ones were? Were they coming out of like Germany? Where no, Japan? it was just like there was tattoo supply companies back then, but 
like they they understood the 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 demand for certain things that required you know labor intensive part of the job and they were trying to you know if they cut corners they got paid for it so if they made something easier for you then they were obviously going to profit off of that because you know they knew everyone out there was like sitting down for an hour before work every day or an hour at night after work and making needles for the next day they were like oh if we make these things ahead of time we could sell them for five bucks a pop and make a fortune <laughs> yeah yeah i used to order mine from uh from a lady in maryland because i didn't know how to make them i didn't know anything about it and there was not a lot of you had like a a spuck uh a spuck a huck spaulding <laughs> spuck a buck, a buck rogers yeah a huck spaulding uh a to z tattoo book that came with my thing uh with my tattoo kit and it was just very limited information and I was lucky enough to find somebody that would even sell to me because I didn't work in a shop. And that was the thing back then. If you wanted to get like the real goal for someone beginning was to get into a shop because that's where all the information was going to be. And then you would be able to order supplies from like national yeah, or they, Spalding uh, or Back whatever. then they used to want proof of employment and you would have to like show that you were actually working in a professional studio in order to actually get supplies delivered to you. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Well, um, how did you two meet? At a tattoo convention. My, I think it was a sec- that was my first national convention, but my it was second tattoo convention I had been to, it was like in 90, Tucson, right? 96. 96, Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, wow. we, we met in the bar at, yeah. the, at the convention. That's right. And we and were both pretty new. I, I, mean, yeah, I would advertise the best still. part about the convention is walking around with the beer and just looking <laughs> at tattoos all it day. It was a wild, wild show. You know, it was really cool back then. There wasn't cool people in tattooing. I mean, everyone was very cool. The French guys were cool. But it was, there was a lot of eccentric people in tattooing back then that were wild. I mean, you'd have a dude come in with like cave drawings tattooed all over him and he'd be wearing like a loincloth and a big like woolly mammoth headdress. And people really got into it back then. There was a dude... Uh, had his teeth all sharpened and dressed like a caveman, and I mean, there was, there was just eccentric people that that were in tattooing back then that I thought made it very interesting. It was, you know, nowadays those guys show up at a convention and everybody wants to sit in the corner, you know, with you know, oh look at this weirdo and stuff. It's like that's not weird. That's what it was really about at one point. You know what I mean? That's what kind of brought all of us into it to a degree. Like it was, a, it was a special thing. It's a really small culture, right? Yeah, it was. It wasn't as broad as it is today, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up with t- tattooing being more punk rock and more just out in the outskirts. Like you had to find it. We for me, it was like coming to Melrose was the place to go to okay. for it, right? So, Melrose or Sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where is... like the artists were working in the early '90s. That's where a lot of the, the the really good tattooers back then, when there was only a handful of them. Yeah, it was and, like there or like go to like Long Beach, like go somewhere where all the sailors and all the military people get yeah, off the boat. you would go to the Pike. You would go to Bob Roberts, uh, Spotlight Tattoo on Melrose, um, Body Electric back in the like back in our day. I mean, that's uh, a big deal. We were punkers back, you know, up in the high desert when I was growing up in the in the in the mid 80s. And uh, we didn't really have anywhere to get tattooed. And the only shop in town was uh, J.R. Grove and his son, Mike Pike, had a tattoo shop up there in Palmdale called Tattoo Alley. So we would all save up our money and go get tattooed at the biker tattoo shop because that was the one available to us at the time. Yeah, so biker that's, and that's kind of how we got into, got into you know getting tattooed. And I would spend my money at. I mean, I worked at a plumbing place, and we would take the scrap copper and cash it in, and then try to go get tattooed and stuff. Um, that was the shop where I started getting all my tattoos at. And then basically, because Mike was working there and he was getting ready to break off and start his own place, I somehow through punk rock and just becoming a customer got absorbed into it 
like through that vein of, of, of activity, you know what I mean? I was, I was brought into it through that, through that. And he told me, you know, Hey, quit doing stupid punk rock tattoos on you and your friends and come help me open my shop and blah, blah, blah. And he, he took me under his wing and kind of showed me a lot. So, but we would go down to LA and stuff and go to other shops and, and trip out. Like we'd see like Mohawk skulls and stuff like that. Bob Roberts did and everything. I mean, it's just, you know, the pursuit, you know, once yeah. you, once you got into one thing it led to another and there was a chain reaction in tattooing back then i thought that you know through the tattoo time books and like things that ed hardy had put out and and just trying to find the next the next thing before someone else did so you had something cool to talk about over a beer or something you know and it was you know buying books back then and everything was a lot easier there wasn't a lot of like you know um uh, miseducated uh uh google search printouts and things like that happening there was, wasn't there wasn't an overload of information and i i think the another thing that's important about what joe's saying is that the his way into it was based more on his relationship with the with the people and that that's how it was then if you wanted to if you wanted to learn anything you needed to like go and get tattooed by the people that you wanted to learn from and you need to build a relationship nowadays you know, you wouldn't even see anything. And that, that was another thing from our generation that was a really big deal for us. And we're like, we're like totally on the same page with that was the, um, the tattoo magazines. They would come out once a month. We would be waiting for it because, yeah. you know, then you could see like, you know, tattoos from Philip Lou or from uh, Luke Atkinson or from Jack Rudy or all these other people that, that we all um, looked up to. Yeah, Robert's right. I mean, you would get that magazine and there would only be 10 photos of Philip Lou tattoos. And you would be like, dang. You'd and spend you had 10 hours looking at yeah, them. And, you, and, you, <laughs> and you'd be memorizing them like like almost as if they were a song or lyrics or something. You would be like, oh, and then the hand goes that way and then this is where the flame is. And you would figure it all out because you weren't overloaded with, you know, here, here's a guy's Instagram page with 800 tattoos on it, you know? Where today, that's the problem. I mean, mm. most of the reference material people are using for tattoos nowadays are somebody else's tattoos. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but back I've, then, it was I've very had limited. guys tell me, like, oh, you know, we're, we try not to. Either I've had, back in San Diego, I have more reference to that, but like, they won't work on someone else's sleeve. Or they, you know, they just, they'll be like, I'm going to draw it my way, but I'm not going to copy that kind of thing. So I hear that. I hear that a lot. I mean, uh, we're. Yeah, with the with the not working on someone else's sleeve, like that that can also be like a I mean, I guess it just depends on the kind of tattooer you are and, you know, your level of fame and your level of uh, you know, like earning and you know, how you, how you live your life because we're me and Joe are both the same with this too. Like we we're here to like help people, you know, with tattoos that they're not happy with to like, you know, repair or redo or you know get people going on a, in a better direction that maybe you know didn't have the education that they could have before they started right so uh, yeah a lot of the tattoos that we're doing nowadays especially now especially. that we're older is <laughs> especially now especially even even today even um, yesterday <laughs> there's a there's a, a dip, dodge, and dive around a tattoo that's already there or a cover-up or something involved. In, in, and anytime we do a sleeve or a back piece, it's rare that we have blank skin. It's rare that there's something that isn't in the way or something that needs to be taken out or something in, involved in all that because of, you know, just uh, people's excitement about tattooing and the fact that it's been made such a um, – it's it, it's it just – it had such a surge at one point that everybody went out and got tattooed by everybody who thought they could do a tattoo, and now they all want to get good tattoos, but they're all stuck with this one turd that they've got. 
you yeah. know, at some point. Yeah, you know, and, and that, mean, that's like a regular thing now. Or I mean, even something that's not a turd that maybe they outgrew because it's 20 years old. True and, that. You know, there's a lot of that. I mean, yeah, I, I was lucky that I didn't start until I was like 26. So I had the opportunity to kind of really pick something rather than just kind of going out there. And but that's, I could, what, that's, what I, that's what I'm seeing when, when I see people's cover-ups. It's like they got this when they were twenty. Yeah, yeah. And they just and they now had they're fun. thirty. I don't say that from an elitist standpoint either. I'm the, I'm yeah. a voice of experience. I oh, mean, yeah. my forearms are black for a reason. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I've I've got a, a little uh, diary of poor choices yeah, right here. Too. You know? <laughs> I'm working on. It's I'm working probably on that it's probably also. a better symbol of life, anyways, right? That you've you've done things that you're like. But you've we're also around. like tattooers for the people, and we're here to like help people any way we can with. You know what we do and that mm-hmm. and that's us staying back from the generation of tattooers that we come from and you know we were doing flash and we were doing we were doing everything we could just to, to get our time tattooing you know and and to get people happy and mm-hmm. do our best you know right it's been a pretty long journey to to being able to do what we what we're capable of doing now but it every day doesn't evolve around us and our artistic ability. There's a lot of problem solving that goes on that him and I work together with on a lot of things, you know? Yeah. Do you, so I know you did, Robert, you did some airbrushing. Do you feel like that's helped with your, your tattooing so far? Um, I don't, I think that I was so uh, immature artistically then that I didn't really, I mean, I, I drew, but it wasn't, I had no like formal art training. So, um, (laughs) I mean, using a tool that, that might have helped a little bit. I was just really excited about doing tattoos. And I loved the idea of, uh, you know, people being like skin being like a really challenging canvas. Plus, I just always like people. So, you know, that was that was one of my attractions to it. Plus the fact that it was super uh, it just was not mainstream at all. It was very against the grain and. I wasn't punk rock. I was more new wave, but I was still into the 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 fact that it was like I didn't really want to have a regular job. You know, when I started tattooing, it wasn't like, oh, I want to do this. It was just something I was doing. And I, it took a couple of years to get going into like, OK, I need to be a professional. I need to get a yeah. job in a shop. And this is where I'm going with my life. But, it, you know, for the first few years, it was just um, dabbling and, and just trying to kind of figure out that I was going to need to get more, get around other artists and, and get into a shop to become a professional. That's the difference between the generation that used to, you know, that, that whole era, we were kind of at the tail end of like, I feel like there was like a whole change in tattooing that happened in 2003 with the very first episode of like Miami Inc or whatever. Which I but hear a lot of. That's but before that. that, what he's talking about, I think is what separates a tattooer from a tattoo artist. And a okay. tattooer, in my opinion, is somebody who, like he said, he likes people. It was more professional. He could, he could fit. You know, those are all things like you'd show up and you do the flash. And the old saying was like, uh, you know, Ed Hardy drew it. So you wouldn't have to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those kind of mm-hmm. things. So, like, we have all these, like, you know, um, uh, things installed inside of us that we grew up on with tattooing as far as we understood it as a traditional thing. Like, we, le- we understood, like, you know, all the things that he's, he's discussing and the things that we talked about a little while ago. But the tattoo artist is someone I feel has, you know, artistic ability, but they have nowhere to place it financially. So they get into tattooing and now they're making money as as a tattooer, but they want to listen to their music the whole time. So they put their headphones on. They don't talk to you or they, you know, they don't 
they don't have any social skills or they, you know you got to be a little bit of a carny to be a good tattooer i think you know you have to be a little bit of a carny you have to talk you have to joke you have to be able to com uh, you know communicate with your with your client or customer or whatever you call them and i think that there's like a huge separation in the sand when someone says they draw a line in the sand it's more like a trench because there's a lot of people that are artists that are tattooing now as opposed to tattooers and tattooer is a little bit different badge you wear i think you know like we like he said rudimentary uh, art skills but then it got better as he went on my my mom was an artist and taught me how uh, art and always encouraged it i always thought i was a good artist until i became a tattooer and then i realized how bad i was i realized oh my gosh i'm terrible you know and it just it inspired me to try harder and just keep pushing forward. There's a lot of people that get into tattooing that are already super accomplished at some form of art or another that's like, you know, impressive at sight, you know what I mean? And then they try to apply it to tattooing. And that's where, you know, that's that's where I, I see a lot of differences today. Um, so am I hearing that you your your joy is more about working with the people than necessarily creating art? Uh, combination. It's a, you know, it's, it's all, all the ingredients. It's a combination of, you know, you got to be able to like communicate with somebody about what they want. You know, people come in, they don't even know what they want. They want to get tattooed and like, what are our ideas? But then you have other people that want to nowadays be more of a, it's more of a collaboration. You know, they want to, they want to be as involved, sometimes too involved in the designing and the layout and how things should go. And then, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy to do it. Some people are more energy than others, but that's just kind of the name of the game. That's the non-creative trying to be creative. That is through the non you. Yes. You're the robot that's arm right. that they want to program. Exactly. And you want to, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a common thing. And it's because of the, um, you know, they've, they've, they've created like a sensation with, tattooing through the media to where everybody's um, semi tattoo educated now in their own right you know so now um, when I go sit down you know I have people that have never gotten tattooed or have a couple of tattoos uh, start throwing uh, shop jargon at me um, okay almost like you know like what needle are you using yeah is that, that a seven? stuff you know yeah they want to know the name and the, you know the brand and is that they, vegan ink <laughs> yeah they want to know all, too many things about things that they probably don't really need do you guys have vegan ink that is coming up a lot I'm um, hearing that. I think that it is vegan actually i tasted it it's 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 vegan okay i mean i'd re only want steak in my <laughs> yeah that's what <laughs> i'm saying free. give me that extra blood um i know you guys met rick walters uh on sullen tv recently was uh any any thoughts about meeting him or if you guys met him before or? oh no we've, oh, we've known rick we've forever. known rick for decades mm -hmm. we've known I met rick i i met rick uh in 93 or 94 um because JR, Mike Pike's dad, and him were business partners back in the late 60s together on a tattoo shop that was uh, in Gardena called Uncle Flashes. And I met him at the Ink Slingers Ball in Hollywood. Um, they brought me over to the table, and we all kind of talked for a little bit and got to enter. And I, and I met him and Catfish Carl, um, and they were, they were selling some flash and some machines and stuff, so I bought some stuff and got to talking to him. And then... Uh, Ever since then, we had a, um, you know, like a social thread between us, and we would we would stay in touch and talk and things like that. So, yeah, I've known Rick known Rick for a while. Um, Robert knew Rick really well. He tattooed his whole back. <laughs> yeah, I did a back on Rick. Um, wow. I mean, I met him at the Blue Cafe, like probably '97 ish, and then uh, you know we just became friends. And whenever I, I was living in Europe at the time, so whenever I would come back to L.A., I would see him, and you know, I tattooed him a few times down there at Burt Grimm's and. Um, fast forward 20 years and then 
Rick was uh, he had what was it that he had the C C P what 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 is it? Yeah, the breathing. Yeah, he had like C O P D. C O P D. Rick had C O P D, and um, it's that oxygen tank and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he he went from being part time on a tank to full time on a tank probably about six or eight months ago, and uh, we reached out to him and we wanted to do an interview with him because no one had really done like a like a podcast style like live interview with him. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we all got in the studio and and we had a really good time. It was great. Yeah, but anyone that wants to check it out, it's really cool. That's, yeah, it's yeah. on Solon TV. Yeah. Um, um, so why don't we get, as we're getting towards the end here, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about 10,000 Waves? How did you guys come up with uh, starting that? I was basically, uh, well, when I left the Antelope Valley where I was at, I, I was in Santa Clarita for a couple years, and uh, I was just getting ready to make a jump and do something else. I needed... I, I had to get out of the Antelope Valley. My head was just, I was already there for too long. I, I overstayed my tattooing uh, out there, and I'd already reached like a pinnacle, and I was kind of hitting the ceiling, and I needed something else to do. I called Robert because I knew he was already down here on Ventura Boulevard. He was working in Studio City, and I was like, I'm thinking about moving farther south, and I just wanted to talk to you and get you know some ideas from you because I want to make a jump, and I just don't know what to do. And then uh, he called me back the next day, and he goes, we both started in 92. Let's do something together. It'd be awesome. Yeah, and, uh, and then I was like, automatically, I was like, duh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. So then that was uh, followed by like two weeks of him sending me photos of buildings for lease on the all up down the street. And then uh, you know we talked to a couple people, and then he actually ran into a guy um, that he met through a friend and found a spot, talked to the guy, and then drug me over there to meet him. So yeah, and we got it, and and that was 2014. We built that up, and then. Uh, Couple, it was just you, me, you and me in the beginning, and then uh, Manny came. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Manny, uh, we we expanded. Our, our landlord retired, and we took the second space. And we had a lot of people that wanted to work with us, and we had a lot of customers that we couldn't take care of. And um, the people that wanted to work for us, we just we just put feelers out, and some of them came back. And we thought if we opened up the business and and made the building a little bit bigger, we'd have more space. So it, and that's how we. Uh, that's how we ended up where we're at so now. So how many artists you got now in your shop? I think there's four or there's four of us pretty much full time and then we have uh, we have a few that are almost full time but like kind of part time and then and then a couple other people that just kind of do guest spots. Yeah, we have people that have appoint appointments in our area so they'll they'll come and work a day or two. We can take care of their people in our area and it's kind of weird like that. I guess in LA where like I have customers in Irvine, but I also have customers in like Mojave Desert. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the people drive around and move around. And but we seem to be a good middle ground for that, so they come to us. So, um, any any future things coming up for you guys at the shop or conventions? Um, not really. I, I don't know. Is there? I don't. I can't think of anything. I think it's we're pretty just in quiet there. We're right just now. in there. Busting. We're just working. We're, we're just, just working. working. <laughs> That's our grown-up grown life. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> we just have a routine, and it's you know it's good. It's cool. We don't we don't work together that much. We have we're kind of a li- little bit of an opposite schedule because of my kids, and um, it's a it's a good balance. Mm. Cool. Well, uh, Jojo and Robert, thanks again for coming by the show today. Uh, remind us uh, where they can find you guys at. Um. We get, we're at 10,000 Waves Tattoo at 13716.5 Ventura Boulevard, Sherman Oaks. California. Yeah. All right, and uh, you can also find uh, JoJo's work at uh, AmericanMadeTattoo.com and Instagram at JoJo Ackerman. 
Uh, Robert has a www.atkinsontattoo.com, and his Instagram is at Robert at Robert Atkinson underscore tattoo, and the shop is at ten thousand wavesgallery.com, and uh, everything will be on the website. Uh, again, JoJo and Robert uh, are at Ten Thousand Waves in Sherman Oaks. Thanks again, guys. And uh, for more information, go to kpcradio.com. And uh, coming up next, uh, we got uh, Hidden Los Angeles Tattoo. I want to thank you for all listening. I'm Anthony Sanchez. I hope you join me next week.